Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. The Blue Delta Jeans Post Game Show is brought to you by who else? Blue Delta Jeans. The holy grail of blue jeans. The pair that fits you so perfectly, it's like they were made just for you. Because they were. Blue Delta Jeans is a Mississippi-based company whose one-size-fits-one jeans are handmade in the U.S. to fit you and only you. Both Brad and myself have multiple pairs of Blue Delta jeans, so trust us when we tell you your search for the perfect pair or pairs is over. Blue Delta jeans caters uniquely to your size. You don't even have to visit Oxford to get them either. Simply visit BlueDelta.com, BlueDelta.com right now. Don't wait and see your virtual tailor. Go online to answer 12 questions and be honest, a Southern man should never ask a woman weight, height, shoe size to provide Blue Delta your measurements. And once you've made your selections, submit your order, and in just a few weeks, your custom-made jeans will arrive at your door. As if you needed further convincing, Blue Delta jeans are the official jeans of Team USA in the Ryder Cup. And right now, they're proud to offer their classic Indigo Smooth denim jeans with the Ryder Cup logo on the watch pocket. So what are you waiting on? Blue Delta jeans are comfortable on the first wear, but will feel even better over time as the jean breaks in, and they're made just for you in Tupelo, Mississippi. So visit BlueDelta.com today, BlueDelta.com, and use our promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, for $50 off your first purchase. That's BlueDelta.com, promo code TOC, for $50 off your first purchase. Your search for the perfect pair of jeans is over. Blue Delta Jeans, the title sponsor of the Talk of Champions post-game show. Ready? Wow, this game is over. The Blue Delta Jeans post-game show. It's more fun than it looks. With Ben Garrett and Bradley Sowles. This is the Talk of Champions morning after show. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Brought to you by Blue Delta Jeans. Hey, buddy, what's up? What's up, Ben? How's it going, man? Good. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Hold on. Before I hit record, you were all fired up. And the minute I hit record and say, what's up, Brad? Hey, Ben, what's going on? Come on now. Ole Miss 131-17 in my <laughs> brains are going to the World Series. It's early in the morning on Sunday. But no, I need energy this morning. Man, I, I'm not going to lie. I was pretty hyped. I was pretty hyped yesterday. There, there's not many times in, um, in Ole Miss football history where you can see a team just dismantle an LSU team. Um, I mean, that when that when it turned to the fourth quarter, um, I mean, it was a party in the in the stadium, man. I mean, it was it was really fun to watch. We were we were just that much better than them. I said it on Twitter in a minute. It sure had the field did yesterday of a program defining day all around. Absolutely. I mean, I saw that. And I'm going to tell you one thing. Um, I've been in LSU shoes that the players, um, man, they, 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 they laid down. They really did late in that game. Um, they really couldn't stop us. And um, really at the, the, the time when I, when I thought they laid down, when you saw that Ely run, I mean, they didn't even try. I mean, there was no effort to tackle him there at the end of the game uh, when he ran it all the way in. I forgot which play it was, but man, we 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 stole their spirit yesterday. I mean, we 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 took we took their soul out there, and and once we got up on them, man, they just um that that one that one was getting ugly. We were sacking the quarterback, running off. I mean, if Snoop don't fumble that ball in the end zone, I mean, it's thirty eight to um, whatever thirty eight to ten or something at the, at that point in the game. So um, yeah, I mean, the, the score was much worse than it actually looked. The craziest part about that game was it started as poorly as it possibly could. Almost could not have scripted a worse start. Down seven to nothing at the end of the first quarter. I think at that point LSU had over 130 yards of total offense, while Ole Miss only had around 40. Definitely less than 100. I can't remember exactly. 
but defensively couldn't slow them down. The big stop, the fourth down stop, where Tysheem Johnson got the interception. The freshman All-American, should be freshman All-American, Tysheem Johnson got that interception. That changed the entire outlook, not only of the early parts of the game, but the game itself, because then Ole Miss became a completely different team. Offensively, everything started to click again, and then defensively had one of its very best efforts of the year, if not its best effort of the year. 17 points allowed. That's the lowest of the season, tied with Austin P when they only allowed 17 to Austin P and they did it to LSU despite getting absolutely owned in the first quarter down seven to nothing but it looks so much worse and the way LSU was rolling you thought man almost looks overmatched right now and then the second quarter arrived and all hell broke loose and almost just dominated that game yeah and, and I'm gonna tell you what if, if there's one negative which there's not many negatives to take away from this game um, there's one negative that's two weeks in a row. Ole Miss has kind of started out slow like that. That's um, that's something that, that I think that the coaches will probably emphasize and address, especially going into to Auburn this week. Um, yeah, but it's just, you know, that's the mark of a good team is 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 how they handle adversity. Don't blink when you're swung at. Um, and that's what happened, man. I mean, it's uh, it, it looked and felt really bad at first, but. You know, teams that that are good and, and have have a little shit about themselves, they, they they never go. That's why Alabama. You watch all their games, man. If they get down, I mean, they were down fourteen to seven to Tennessee yesterday, and you look at them, the game is fifty-two to twenty-four. They just keep pounding. Nothing phases them. Nothing phases yesterday. We woke up, made, made our big play on defense, and then then after that, it was three or four runs of Snip Connor, and I felt like okay, now now we figured out figure out how to get some yards on these guys and once that run game opened up it was um it was all she wrote after that and kudos to the defense man i'm gonna tell you right now Ole Miss allowed i mean if you would have told me there was gonna be a game this year where Ole Miss football Ole Miss's defense allowed 17 points and only 77 yards rushing i would have said you're crazy especially playing lsu so unbelievable job by the defense that is 77 yards rushing allowed is a gold standard by nfl much less college football hell of a job by the defense yesterday in the run game like I said, it was like 136 yards of total offense after the first quarter. But by the end of the game, it was 326 and only 77 yards rushing. LSU was doing whatever it wanted to in those first two drives. And then Tysheem Johnson got that fourth down stop with the interception. And sure enough, that was the turning point. And Ole Miss was able to dust themselves off, pick themselves up. And Snoop Connor did what Snoop Connor does and really provided the lift for Ole Miss offensively to get them going. A couple of big rushes to get them out of their own end zone, and then they were off to the races. And then in the two-minute drill, right before halftime, um, when Ole Miss scored a touch, and I thought that was critical going up 17-7. to That was one of their very best drives of the year, and that really took control of the entire game. And once Ole Miss got the stop to start the second half, oh boy, the floodgates opened. But the atmosphere itself and all the former players back in town, Eli Manning had his jersey retired, and then for the game to play out like it did, it just felt different. It felt like the culmination of well over a year's now work of Lane Kiffin and staff to build this program to a place where not only is it nationally relevant, but it has to be taken seriously. Yes, it's different for Ole Miss fans and for Ole Miss coaches and players to say it's different, we're nationally relevant, and Ole Miss is going to be a team to be reckoned with. But to go out there and do that against a team that hadn't beaten six or seven years and to do it in such dominant fashion, when Lane Kiffin implored fans to show up and pack out Vaughn Hemingway Stadium, when the university invited back so many former players and those former players were hyping up the crowd during timeouts, when you had Katy Perry back again, this time on the jumbo trying to lead the hotty toddy, the atmosphere you haven't seen since maybe 2014, Ole Miss, Alabama, 2003, Ole Miss, LSU. That's what that atmosphere was reminiscent of. And it started so poorly, but it ended in such a dominant fashion that it felt different. It felt like Ole Miss had arrived. Now, has Ole Miss arrived? We don't know that. They still got a gauntlet to go through. Auburn's going to be tough. That's the next team up. But for at least a day, it was one of those moments where you had to take a minute for yourself and think, Yes, this is different. Ole Miss feels different today. Uh, I would one hundred percent agree with that. I mean, it was un- the energy was unreal. It was shoulder to shoulder walking around the walking around the Grove, um, j- just an all around great atmosphere. And yeah, man, I mean, it, here's the thing that people fail to realize: this is why this is such a great coaching job by our staff. We are doing this. We are finding ways to win, and we are banged up as hell on offense. I mean, we we got. We got down yesterday where we had Uman at right guard at one point in the game. We're rotating guys in and out. Wide receiver. I mean, we got two of our two of our three um, top wide receivers are out. That's why the 
passing game struggle, but but he's finding a way to win. He's finding holes in the defense, and he's still able to put up the points. And hey, defense is stepping up the last two weeks. I mean that they're playing they're playing really good ball. This is a great team effort, and 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 I, I really think we're getting close to to uh, arrived or whatever we want to call it. But um, you know, if we get our players back in there, get everybody back healthier, get some guys back, especially on offense. I'm telling you, man, this could be a special finish, but it's gonna it's gonna depend on that getting getting guys healthy. Ben Brown snapped his 40 game starting streak. Rumors out there that he could be out for the year. All we heard leading up to the game during the week, and we first reported on the Ole Miss Spirit, was that he was doubtful for the game. That maybe he was going to try to give it a go, but he was doubtful. And now there are rumors he could be shut down. So there's a reason why I reached out to Ben Brown. Now that I look back on it, I reached out to Ben Brown last week, like I always do for his frontline view segment, and got nothing back. He's dealing with some stuff right now. So let's see what happens with Ben Brown. We don't know that. With this staff, people need to understand something. Getting injury information is really hard. And that's fine. That's how Lane Kiffin operates. So if you're concerned about this guy or that guy and you want some definitive answer coming from us, we can dig around all we want, and we do, and we talk to as many people as we can. But accurate, 100% accurate injury information is really hard to come by with this staff, and it was no different with Ben Brown. It's no different with Braylon Sanders, even though I said Braylon Sanders was as up-in-the-air game-time decision as it could be. He didn't play. Jonathan Mingo, he's still not going to be back probably till November, but surprisingly, Caleb Warren returned, but he looked hobbled. They are banged up offensively. No Chase Rogers again. Casey Kelly was good. Hudson Wolf got in there. But they are banged up offensively. And that's what's so amazing about how they were able to dominate LSU. As banged up as they are, and as poorly as they started, to be up 17-7 to at the half was a remarkable feat on its own. But for us today on the morning after show, what used to be the post-game show, but because of everything that's happened in my professional life, now the morning after show, for them to then go on and dominate the way they did is a testament to how good this team is, where this team is as far as being a national contender, not just for the SEC championship and keeping pace with Alabama, but even more than that, keeping pace for the college football playoff potentially. It's a remarkable day. It was a, it was a remarkable day. It was a remarkable effort. And I just can't get over how bad the start was for it to end up the way it was. For it to end up such a dominant game, it's pretty surreal. It was pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, all, all around good day. Um, I'll tell, tell you what, one thing that I think is really cool, and you can look back on this, is, this is kind of my football view. Um, you know, you look over the, the the two weeks before that, man, we had hellaciously close games. I mean, nail biting games versus Arkansas where we could have easily lost that game. Same with Tennessee, but we found a way to win. And that is what builds, um, you know, builds toughness as a team. So we go out there yesterday, you know, we hit right in the mouth. They score on us. They really were about to go up 14 to nothing, but we didn't flinch because guess what? We've been in this situation the last two weeks. So, so we knew how to respond. We, we, we had, we kept the poise and the noise is what I call it. When it, when it gets noisy, when it gets, when it gets wild, you know, keep your poise. And we did that as a team and we knew we, you know, it, you can just tell, man, we, when we came back and we didn't flinch, that's how good teams are built. It's built off of, of, of getting through adversity and, um, and knowing how, how, how to, how to take a shot in the face and come back. So, um, that was huge. I think, I think you, you look at the last two weeks and that played a huge part on how we responded. And, and it's, it's like, Hey man, we've been here before we've been here all month. We've been in the same situation. So, um, we were able to turn, write the script and, and absolutely whoop their ass. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already subscribed, if you talk of champions in iTunes, and when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, an affiliate of On3.com. Go to the Ole Miss Spirit right now to get full game day coverage as well as recruiting coverage and everything in between at the Ole Miss Spirit. This podcast can be found wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Let's hear from Lane Kiffin following Ole Miss's 31-17 win over LSU. And then it's time for Brad's big thing. A good win. Um, you know, I thought the crowd was awesome today. They were here early. You know, the walk was, you know, phenomenal energy. And, you know, I thought the players fed off of it and play great. Uh, a little bit sloppy and kind of surprised to be up at 10 and a half you know, the way we were, but um, really good into the half there, you know, going down and getting a touchdown in two minutes. I think changed a lot and started, you know, played a really good third quarter. So really pleased with our players, um, starting with the defense. I thought those guys, once we settled down early, played great, you know, held these guys to, you know, whatever it was, 70 yards rushing, 
you know, for a team that ran the ball so well and last week against Florida. And, you know, I just remind myself that's the same LSU team that beat Florida seven days ago. So um, to not just win, but, you know, kind of comfortably win there up 21 in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, when we started to slow it down is, is pretty neat. And you know, I don't think we beat them in five or six years or something. So I hope our fans are pretty excited about that. Uh, puts us at six and one. Um, you know, so we've got a lot of work to do. We need to get the players back healthy on offense. You know, Matt himself is not healthy, as you can see, limping around out there, but, you know, does not have his usual, you know, group of weapons that he had early on. So, you know, to have all those guys down, receivers, tight ends, and offensive linemen, and still, you know, be able to, to beat LSU like that, you know, is, is really neat. I think we'd all take that at the beginning of the year you know, saying that we were able to beat LSU by a couple touchdowns. When we were here a couple of weeks ago, you talked about you have 51 points to a team for shutout the week before, I think you 17 to a team that scored 49 the week before. Just over these last few weeks, how have you seen this defense respond and where is the growth coming from your mind? Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, we got to remind ourselves of things like that, you know, just a few, you know, weeks ago sitting here and, you know, really not stopping Arkansas hardly at all until the two-point play. Um, I think Jake Springer has a lot to do with it, you know, not just as a great player, but feeding off of him like the play he made at Tennessee. I think, you know, he's kind of like mad on offense. Players feed off of him, so that certainly helps. And, you know, we're just we're, we're playing better. And when, when you play a slow-down offense like that, you know, your guys can do a better job of pass rush like you saw today than having to play, you know, 80, 90 snaps versus tempo. So um, I'm sure they were happy. They went from two of the fastest off. They see one of the fastest offenses in the country every day. Then the last two weeks playing, you know, two of the three fastest offenses in the country. So they're probably pretty happy to see someone normal. You talked a lot all week about wanting to see this place full. Was it what you imagined? Was this the atmosphere you envisioned when you took over here? Yeah, it was cool. You know, I, I don't see it the whole game, obviously, but, you know, to look, I glanced up, you know, before kickoff and, you know, it was full and, um, you know, seemed like they were, you know, there was a presence on third down. Um, so it, it was awesome to see. And, you know, that's, that's how it should be. And, you know, the game was kind of a little bit dead at some points there, you know, just slow moving and stuff. So, but, I thought the fans were, were really good today. And we actually punted on a fourth down too. So I, I think I heard some boos actually. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Like, it was like, hey, wait, we're, the book actually said don't punt. And I'm like, but we only have seven points. We're stopping them. So I went against it and punted them deep. And our defense got us the ball back three and out. So um, went against analytics and it worked. You mentioned that Matt was beat up, but he, he still run the ball, he, he caught a pass. How, how would you kind of rate his performance? Uh, he missed a few throws early, you know, as you probably noticed. It, it, you know, when you can't push off, you know, that's kind of hard to, to play quarterback. And you could see he couldn't move the same, um, you know, and your rhythm's off because he didn't take all the reps like you normally would all week. And again, you know, if his starting group that I said at the beginning of the year were going to be the best three receiver group in the country, you know, if they stayed healthy and they haven't, so he's down to one out there. So, you know, the guy's a warrior, the guy's awesome, you know, selfishly for him, I mean, it's not really selfishly. I wish we had all the pieces around him, you know, because now you're going to get, you know, Heisman, you don't have the numbers and all that stuff. And, you know, you got to watch the game. Yeah, I don't get to sit back there and just wait forever and throw to wide open people. So, I mean, he's awesome. And I don't know where he'd be without him. And another note on him, I mean, he threw for 180 or something like that. And like, I kind of said afterwards, man, sorry, we didn't do a better job getting guys over. He, he didn't care. He didn't care less about his stats. That That is rare at any time, but especially this age with kids. Uh, it, how big was that stop when the goal line stand on the fourth down because I mean, they score there, that was two possession game, and things were changed. But then from that moment on, you guys dominated from that moment on. What changed after that stop, and how big was it? Yeah, it was not a good – this game did not start 
good. It did not feel good. It didn't feel good offensively. Um, Matt was a little bit off. You know, we were struggling with the rush. Didn't feel good defensively. They were running and mixing the passes in, and and you know, Johnson was playing really good. So that stopped. And we had said all week, okay, they're going to come with good energy. They just came off the floor to win and everything. You know, if we could get a lead, maybe the game would go like the Kentucky game went. And so I do think, you know, it went that way in the third quarter once we got a lead. So that was a big stop, huge momentum. And, um, you know, we, we were backed up there and Snoop ran us out, you know, in a couple couple runs, um, which was really good. And those uh, 17 points that you gave up, that was the fewest time with the Austin Key game. But, you know, uh, against an SEC team like that, do you think this is the best that y'all have loaded on defense all season long? And do you think you can kind of build on what the defense was able to do today? I mean, it's it's fun to be the head coach, you know, when your defense is playing good. You know, you can slow things down. You play it. You don't have that feeling like you got to score all the time like you've had at times here. But I, I thought our defense started this way. in the Louisville game shut out at half. And so, um you know, I think we're back to that. And I, like I said, I think Springer makes a, a big difference. And when we can get off the field on third down, like 4 or 12 today, now, now we don't get worn down because we don't have great depth. And so um, when we can stay fresh and, and let our two defensive ends rush, we're pretty good. Lane, uh, going back to last season, y'all are now 10-2 in your last uh, 12 games. What what do you attribute the ascent of this program to? Did not know that. That sounds good, though. 10-2. <laughs> <laughs> my agent over there, you get to tell me. Um, I, I attribute that to, to guys, um, you know, playing well. I, you know, attribute that to having Matt Carell. So let's make no mistake, you know, that guy... That record is not 10 and 2 without him, that's for sure. So, and I just think, I'm not sitting here to say buy into what we do. I just think they bought into each other. And, you know, they, they play really well. And like we told them, they find a way to win. The stars seem to change every week. You're not sure who they're going to be, you know, in each game, you know, which is a little bit different. Sometimes, you know, like last year, you know, it's going to be Matt and Elijah, you know. And so um, this is more people stepping up from different different spots, which is great to see. Was it just a matter of time for Jerry and were you just kind of waiting out the injury for that with the game today or something schematically saw that kind of allowed him to succeed? Well, I think he opened his stride up. I think he had not been doing that. He'd been stopping his feet and talking to him this week, you know, hey, you're speed back and you're not playing like it. You know, you're not really letting it letting it loose. And we set it right on that run in the headset, Labby, Kevin Smith. I said, like, that's what it's supposed to look like. When you got a speed back, it's supposed to look like that. There's a hole and he's gone. So, um, you know, that's what we were hoping would happen. And, and he seems to be back and it's at the right time because, you know, without these receivers, you know, these guys had to step up. And that is a cover one every snap today. So that means there's another guy in the box. They ran really well against another guy in the box. Big one to the top. Coach, obviously, uh, Eli Manning Day. What was it like to see, you know, a player like that come to the program, get recognized like that um, on a game like today where you guys were able to win as well? It, it was awesome to have him on the walk. And, you know, I joked with him. I wore his jersey for the walk. You know, I was like super fan. You know, I like, felt like I was going to a Giants game, you know, like on the bus going to the game. So, um, you know, it's, it's awesome. I've been around him, but not that much. And just to be around him today and see how humble he is. You know, called him this week to ask him about what jerseys we like to pick our jerseys. And he's like, no, man, let the players, I want whatever the players want. So, again, like Matt Carell in a different way, you know, this that's rare. You know, a great player like that, um, you know, to be that humble and, you know, just wanting to help others and stuff was awesome to see. So, really cool day for him. The end zones were awesome. And, um, you know, we just love the Mannings. Coach, going into the game with Matt kind of, banged up. Did you talk to the running back room and be like, it's going to be on your guy's shoulder this week? And how would you evaluate the that? You know, not exactly. You know, we didn't, you know, but we said, hey, you never know. Stars change every week. You don't, you don't know, especially in college football, but the SEC, you know, you see teams lose that aren't supposed to lose. You see games that you think he was a head coach or going to be high scoring or low scoring or vice versa, you know, um, so you just never know. We tell them all the time, you never know who's going to need to 
step up and where it's going to come from. And so today, yeah, hey, we're a little off in the passing game, down receivers. Matt couldn't move very well, so you weren't going to get anything in the running game out of him. Um, you know, so they, they were going to need to step up, and they did. Like, is it like something has clicked with this team over the last few weeks where it feels like more people just, you know, trying to outscore the other team? Yeah. Um, I think sometimes when you have moments in a season where games, let's make no mistakes, the last two games before us could have went either way or one play at the end of the game away from us losing. So when those go that way, sometimes that just kind of springboards you into having some confidence as players. Hey, man, we're pretty good. So we tell them all week, hey, you know, good's the enemy of great. And that's where we are. Like We're good, but then we don't close people out at the end of the game. We're not great. And, um, you know, we weren't great today either from that. So the good thing is we're close. And if we could get healthy and play the way we know how to play, we could be a really special team. I just hope we get healthy before there any names left. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc three on three one two three let's go brad's big thing all right brad what's your one big thing from old mrs 31 to 17 win over lsu well, I think the big thing yesterday was the um, was the defense, man, and I and I'm telling you right now that was that was a heck of a performance. They came out; it did not look good early, but um, I, I just think that the way we handled handled their run game, um, the way we got after the quarterback, only allowing 77 yards rushing. It, people don't know how great that is in college. That that is an elite. That's elite level in college, especially nowadays where where people are putting up or putting up huge numbers. Um, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, j- just the way we handled it on defense and, and, and Tashim Johnson again, man, I mean, uh, his play yesterday, which it was fourth down, but, but that interception that got the crowd back into it. Cause everybody was sitting in that stands felt like, Hey, they're on the three yard line. There's no way we can stop these guys. It's going to be 14 to nothing. The offense is struggling. They had a bad feel to it, but that interception, that big play right there on fourth down by Tashim Johnson to, to kind of spark the crowd and get them going. It was defense, man. Defense won us that game, and it feels great to say that after all the shit we've been through the last couple of years with our defense. But, um, man, that, that they really held their own and played awesome for the whole day, and, and that's that was, the, that was the reason why we won that game. With the way it started and how poorly it was defensively, LSU just marching right down the field on them, running all over them. At one point, I think averaging 10 yards per carry. What changed? Man, it, it you know what? It, we really started bringing some pressure. We started, we started kind of loading the box a little bit. There was actually some times, man, where we where we brought some some bigger bodies in. So if you notice yesterday, um, on the first and second down, 
Tavius Robinson and and I, and I and some of the other guys were in there. Um, they had some bigger bodies in there, and then you know obviously they're bringing bringing guys all over the place, bringing some pressure, bringing some safeties down. But they were going with a bigger style, you know, to or earlier in the in the down. So um, that that's kind of what um, what changed, you know, later in that game. And you know, it's just that the effort picked up, man. I mean, there was there was that big play by Tashim Johnson, and it was kind of overall that effort intensity looked good. Look, Jake Springer gets a lot of credit for being back after injury and turning this defense around, and he should. But Mark Robinson in back-to-back weeks has led this team in tackles. Chance Campbell has started to look more like the Chance Campbell to start the year than the one that looked a little worn down for the previous couple of games before the turnaround against Tennessee and now LSU. Five sacks for this team, seven tackles for loss, and even more than that, they've been opportunistic. They've now created a turnover in 16 of 17 games under Kiffin. Ole Miss is 10-2 in its last 12 games under Kiffin. This is not new. This team has arrived. This team is here, and a lot of it has to do with this defense. Once it's got all its pieces together and playing together and bringing pressure, having the turnaround that it's had, watching this defense. Now, this looked more like, or it has the last couple of weeks, this has looked more like the defense in the first half against Louisville when everyone went, oh, we haven't seen this since 2016. We haven't seen a defense that can change a game. We haven't seen a defense flying around, being around the football and having those next-level athletes at every single level that we're used to seeing when Robert Kimdichie was on the defensive line and Tony Connor was in the back end when he was healthy and at linebacker Demarcus Gates and C.J. Johnson flying all around, now you're starting to see that again. Not to say that Ole Miss doesn't have its problems defensively, still does, but if the last two weeks are any indication, the defense is caught up, and it's never going to be what the offense is. The offense is one of the very best in college football, but it's at least caught up enough with the offense to where you're not thinking you got to score every time you touch the ball. This defense can get stops. You even saw Lane Kiffin punt the ball, go against the book analytically and punt the ball, punt LSU deep because the defense was playing so well and he expected the defense to give him the ball back. He admitted that in the post game. You just heard from him. That shows you the confidence level. His belief in this defense has completely changed. And a lot of it has to do with Jake Springer. But Mark Robinson, Chance Campbell, all guys that were not a part of this defense last year. Tysheem Johnson, yep. Tysheem Johnson, same thing. Tysheem Johnson, I feel like, changed the game. And it's so easy to say because if LSU scores there, they go up 14 to nothing. But that play, it was a little thrown behind was the pass, but he caught it one-handed. He was on the hip of the receiver, of the LSU receiver, pushing him towards the pylon, doing exactly what he needed to do. He's a freshman All-American. You said that last week. It's kind of a quiet freshman All-American resume that he's built, but he certainly deserves to be a freshman All-American. So this defense, if you're excited today, if you believe you see a defense that can really contend, that can really hang with its offense and provide that lift for its offense when it's down like it did against LSU, when it started so poorly, it looked like LSU was about to roll over Ole Miss and then end up going up 31-7. to Well, now you have reason to be confident. You have reason to have that belief because this defense does look different. So Ed Ogeron going for it on fourth down at the three. Guess he's thinking, what are they going to do, fire me? Johnson scrambling, throws late and incomplete, intercepted, in fact, to the end zone. Well, it's it, was it the end zone or was it the half yard line? It looked like maybe the half. Tysheen Johnson picks off Max Johnson. I tell you what, an, another thing that that, that you got to put your finger on on the slow t- start too was, um, man, we had a lot of penalties. We had a lot of penalties to start the game that 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 kept their drive alive. And then you look at the one play where where we were hit. I mean, we literally hit the quarterback as he's throwing off his back foot, and he just nails a pass over the middle, a long ball right in between two guys. You know, I, I'm not gonna say they were lucky to start, but they were. Everything was going their way to start. Um, you know, yeah, the penalties were just um, were something that that kind of that kind of hurt us early on. We're gonna have to clean that up. It's been kind of a our, one of our nemesis this year is is getting some holdings, getting some stuff that, that kind of set us back. I mean, we were moving the ball in that first drive. We just had a couple of holdings in there, false start, and then same thing on defense. We had a pass interference and, and another another call or so. So, um, yeah, I think the penalties once we cleaned that up, you know, it was it kind of kind of got us going yesterday. It did, it did. But defensively, holy cow, that's what we've been waiting on. That's the defense we've been thinking they could be, and they showed it against Tennessee. But can you do it against LSU? It did help. I think Lane Kiffin made a really good point. Now, this defense goes against one of the fastest offense in football every single day in practice at Ole Miss. And then in back-to-back weeks, Arkansas and Tennessee, two of the fastest offenses in college football. 
LSU is more of a slow it down style, and it does help with pass rush and getting to the backfield tackles for loss. Still, to do it is a different thing. It almost did it. And there were so many heroes defensively. So, yes, I think that's absolutely the biggest yep. thing. You know that Ole Miss defensively, when things were going poorly early, especially on the offensive end, and you thought, man, Matt Crowd does look a little banged up. That offensive line's getting whipped. No Braylon Sanders, no Jonathan Mingo. Dunterio Drummond's the only one catching passes. What are they going to do? Well, the defense stepped up. From the 49, Johnson on play action. This one slides off the back of his hand. Ball is loose. And it's covered by Ole Miss. I think it was Cedric Johnson that got the ball coming from behind. And it used to be like that with Ole Miss football and understanding that the defense could make a game-changing play. But for the last handful of years, it's always been the reaction of, oh, God, can they just get a stop here? Just one stop here. They get one stop here. Then the offense can get the ball. Not anymore. Not the last couple of weeks. Defensively, they're making game-changing plays, forcing fumbles, a strip sack from Cedric Johnson, a forced fumble from Sam Williams, and Cedric Johnson recovers the fumble. And yes, it's a more traditional offense. They were doing it against an LSU. doesn't matter. It doesn't dismiss the fact that they were changing the game, making game-changing plays. And when you can do that in your offense, you know it's going to come around eventually. Even with all the injuries, you know it's going to come around eventually. When you got that kind of defense, it changes the way, not only the way the fans look at um, what you are as a team, but opponents too. Teams coming up, Auburn, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and it makes the outlook for those games completely different. When you have a defense you can actually trust. Johnson, look out behind you. The ball is out and it's covered by Ole Miss again. I said this after the Arkansas game. I thought that um, that Alabama and Arkansas were going to be our toughest two tests. And I think it showed up the last two weeks, man. I mean, I, I think that um, that what we saw for those two weeks kind of got us really uneasy, but we had to realize what we were going against in those styles. And the last two weeks we played teams that, that aren't quite, um, quite on that Alabama-Arkansas level when it comes to running the ball. And um, our defense has showed up and looked really good. I mean, they, they, they're able to to get back to where, where they're respectable. I just think we, we got a little bit off track in our mind. Like, hey, you know, Alabama does that to everybody. Arkansas can run the ball and everybody mostly. So um, the, the last two weeks, we, we, we've really been able to um, to, to show, show up a little bit better and, and be about where I, where I thought we were going to be, um, not, not so much as, um, as, as judge them just off those two games. Ole Miss registered five or more sacks in back-to-back games for the first time since 1999. Ole Miss has tallied two or more sacks in six of the seven games played this season. And for the third time this season, Ole Miss held its opponent to seven or less points in the first half, the other ones being Louisville and Austin P. but you did it against LSU. And the three turnovers are the most this season by the Ole Miss defense. And for the second straight game, like I said, Mark Robinson, double-digit tackles, finished with 12 total stops against LSU, led the team. Whew, what a defensive performance. we got to give a lot of credit to D.J. Durkin here. He brought pressure, and that's something that you just weren't seeing very much midway through the year because now we're past the midway point. But those last few games, those previous couple games before Tennessee, you're seeing a lot of rush three, drop eight. They're bringing pressure, and they're getting there. What's changed in that respect as far as bringing pressure? What are they doing? Are they mixing up their looks, or they bring it from different places? What's changed defensively to allow them to get the pressure that they're getting? Yeah, man. I mean, they're 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 a little bit tighter. They're 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 not playing so far soft and off, and they, and they're bringing, um, you know, they're bringing safeties and backers, you know, uh, up the middle, which is which is something we we have not done. Um, they're also they're also bringing corners, which is which is cool. Um, and 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 this are Sam Williams and and some guys are just winning straight up one on one. I mean, Tavius Robinson almost had the nastiest sack of the day yesterday. I mean, he just got the ball off. But he absolutely crushed the quarterback. I mean, the guys are just winning one on one. Plus, we're bringing pressure up the middle. Um, I think that it's um, that that's really been the, been the changer. Because listen, man, these quarterbacks in college, if we're talking about analytics and, and playing, that they they don't read defenses the way they read them in the NFL. So there's no reason not to heat these guys up. It never fails. Yeah, they'll get you a time or two. But I'm telling you, if you did the study on it, the times you pressure these college quarterbacks or go after them, you're going to get to them or rattle them a lot more than, than if you let them sit back there, cook steaks and read the defense. And that's what showed up. I mean, five, five sacks, two weeks in a row. I mean, the proof is there. So keep keep heating them up. That's what we have to do. And that's the only way we're going to win. Yeah, they're going to get some plays. That That's what a pressure defense is. I mean, 
I've been around this before where, you know, they're going to get a play on you, but you're going to sack them and make big sack fumbles at times. That's going to make up for that big play you're going to give up. I think that's just um, that the last two weeks that has been number one thing that has absolutely helped us out and um, is getting to the quarterback and and putting pressure on them. And and I think we got to do that going forward. LSU had scored 53 plus points in each of the last two games against Ole Miss. And it looked like they were about to do the exact same thing this time around on Saturday, the way it started. And defensively, they stepped up and dominated. So that means that a couple of guys on defense and a couple of offensive players, too, are going to get helmet stickers. We're going three. One, two, three. Let's go. Helmet stickers. Each week, we hand out helmet stickers. I give out three. Brad gives out three. Your first goes to who? I'm going to go a little bit different this on this first one. I think Cedric Johnson, I'm going to give him a helmet sticker. Big, big sack fumble there. Um, I, I think that's the one that Springer jumped in and, and, and his helmet flew off for whatever. Um, great effort by Springer getting that ball. Um, I'm going Cedric Johnson there. That was, that was, that was a big, big play for, for during the game. Three total tackles, one solo, one sack, one and a half tackles for loss, forced fumble. Recovered by who? Jake Springer. He's always around the ball. I'm going to go a little bit different with my first helmet sticker. Bryce Ramsey started out Ole Miss, did the offensive line, really struggling. Could not keep LSU in front of them. Couldn't get anything going offensively. Bryce Ramsey had to come in because Caleb Warren, back from injury, he tore a bunch of ligaments in his ankle. He comes back because Ole Miss is without Ben Brown. Plays right guard. He looked hobbled. Now, I think he came back in later in the game, but he did come out. Bryce Ramsey goes in, and he had a pretty darn good day. He really helped solidify things up front, and Ole Miss really started to move the ball. And I'm not saying it's all because of Bryce Ramsey, but that's a vet, one of the few depth pieces they have, and he came in and did his job. So on a day when Ole Miss offensively could not have scripted a worse start, Bryce Ramsey came in and helped stabilize an offensive line that had up to that point really been leaky as a faucet. At the five, Parrish still driving, still going. It's a touchdown. Yeah, good job by him. I think he came in there for a little bit and rotated in and out of there. Um, they kind of had them all rotated. It was crazy. They had – Yeah. I mean, it looked like they were rotating a D-line yesterday at O-line. It was, it was wild. Um, yeah, I will say this. Um, you know, it was pretty cool that, that LSU came out and they kept putting that extra O-lineman in there to run the ball. Well, Ole Miss came out and matched them and, and, and did the exact same thing. They put their extra O-lineman at tight end and – and ran the ball, so yeah, it was, it was cool all around. Good, good effort by the O line. There's still some, there's still some plays in there where, where they're getting beat quick. But you know what? You, you're gonna have to live with that. That's SEC. Everybody loses, and um, you know that they, they showed up and that they, they did what they had to do in the run game. And um, yeah, all those guys, a good, good, good group effort by that group. Um, you know, j- j- just getting getting done what they need to get done. Your second helmet sticker goes to who? All right, I'm gonna go with. Um, I think that it, it, it's obvious that. Um, that um Tashin Johnson's getting one. I mean, that, I just think that not not from a not from a stats perspective, but from a a spark perspective. I did this with Chance Campbell whenever we were at the Arkansas game when he made that um, where he, he knocked the ball out. I think Tashin Johnson kind of got the crowd back into it um, with that play, that big play. And, and there's multiple times where where he's just he's just a physical little dude, man. If you watch him, he's a solid player. Um, he gets it for the sheer fact of um, he got the he got the the crowd back into it with that huge play. Reminiscent of Travis Johnson against LSU in 2003. The interception to start the game, return it for a touchdown, almost goes up 7 to nothing. It wasn't like that as far as the outcome, but for the significance of the play itself. Getting the interception, keeping it 7 nothing, and then Snoop Connor, who gets my next helmet sticker, takes almost out of the end zone, and they start to turn it on. Snoop Connor deserves a helmet sticker, seems like, almost every single week. Not last week against Tennessee. He was bottled up pretty good. Everybody was. Every running back was, except for Matt Corral, who's a quarterback, who rushed 30 times. But Snoop Connor, 14 carries, 117 yards, a long of 23, 8.4 yards per carry. Now, he didn't score a touchdown, but it didn't matter. When Ole Miss was just not doing anything offensively, he's the one that sparked them. He took them out of the end zone gashed LSU and almost started to find a rhythm because of Snoop Connor. And finally we saw because of that, Jerry on Ely looked like the speed back that he's supposed to be. They've been running on third down. Do they do it again? Third down at 12. Yep. Ely. Nice move by Ely. Jerry and Ely. Touchdown Ole Miss. 
12 carries, 97 yards, 8.1 yards per carry. But it was all off of the back of Snoop providing that different look. And then Jerion taking the advice of Lane Kiffin, of Jeff Levy, of Kevin Smith, stick your toe in the ground when the hole is there, boom, you're gone. You're the speed back. He finally looked that way. Henry Parrish started, finished 10-32, one touchdown, 3.2 yards per carry. But it was back to Snoop and Jerion. We still haven't seen all three of those guys do it in one game. But when Ole Miss needed somebody to pick them up to provide that lift, it was Snoop Connor. Yeah, I will say this, man. Um, yesterday was the first time I've seen Ely run the way I think that 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 the, up to his potential. And I'm gonna tell you, what, it has I to agree. do with it has to do with hey, man, you're you, you're the third man off the bus this game. So you, he he looked like he was running with a little bit of attitude yesterday. Um, man, some of the cuts he was making, some of I mean, that's what I've been, that's what I have not seen in, in the last year and a half, in my opinion. And man, he looked good yesterday and that could bod well going forward. Sometimes, you know, other guys in front of you are doing well and, you know, you kind of got a little banged up, whatever. He had a little fire in his that. ass yesterday. I'll tell you, he did. And, and he looked good, man. The, the way he was hitting it at times was really good. Him and Snoop Connor going forward, man, they've got to carry this offense while, while we're down wide receiver and, um, that they, they certainly did yesterday. I mean, both guys were, you know, Snoot was over hundred and Jerry on was Jerry on should have been over hundred. He got that. We got that one penalty. They got, got the touchdown called back, but, um, yeah, I mean, both guys have got to carry this offense. They're veterans. They're both, um, all SEC type players and, um, you know, that, they, that they, they've got to do it. They've got to, they've got to carry the offense and they both look great yesterday and, and they, and they both need to keep running this way. You made a really good point on that long touchdown run by Jerry on, cause I watched it back a couple of times. There were three LSU Tigers as he's nearing the goal line that had a chance to stop him. And it was Ole, Ole, Ole. They had completely given up at that point. They quit. They quit. They that, quit. That, that, that team laid down yesterday. Um, you know, especially when it got nasty, we started sacking them. Um, you know, that they, they, they had three guys that could absolutely blast at Ely, and they both ran. They all just kind of whiffed right by him. Um, that's a matter of one team quitting and one guy running with some will. So um, that's just that's just the way it is. It's, it's it's a sucky situation to be in. But if I'm LSU, I'm getting I'm getting Coach O off the sideline, man. That's just it's not going to bod well. It's going to only get uglier from here. And um, yeah, there's no reason. You know, they got to get someone in there that can that can motivate them and give them something to play for. Matt Corral gets an automatic helmet sticker every single week, and he was so good against LSU. Even though the numbers were pretty pedestrian, 18 to 23, 185 and one touchdown. He also called a pass. Everybody remembers that play. That was probably the play of the game, in my opinion. Now, well, there are a couple plays of the game. But one catch for 19 yards, and then running the ball, they really limited how many times he ran it, and he still went for 12 carries and 25 yards and a touchdown. Second down and two. They can get a first down inside the one. Matt Corral does it himself. Touchdown, Rebels! Now tied with Snoop Connor for the team lead with nine rushing touchdowns on the season. He's thrown a touchdown pass in 19 straight games, the second longest streak in school history, trailing only Chad Kelly at 22. Moved to number four in career passing yards with 6,851 yards. He's only the sixth Ole Miss quarterback to surpass 6,000 yards. He remains number three in career passing touchdowns with 52. And he's number three in career total offense with 8,049 total yards. He has 492 career completions and ranks number six all-time on that list. The guy's incredible. So he gets an automatic helmet sticker every single week. But I'm giving my last helmet sticker to Dontario Drummond because you're without Jonathan Mingo. You're without Braylon Sanders. You're without Chase Rogers. You're banged up on the offensive line. And he still goes for 893. 893. This is a handoff and a now a reverse. Drummond's going to throw it back to Corral. And he's got it at midfield and out of bounds. So a little dipsy do there from Lane Kiffin. And everybody knew where the ball was going. Lane Kiffin said beforehand, don't be shocked if he breaks a record today with how many times he gets thrown the ball and how many catches he makes. And he still put up 893. Yeah. I mean, he's he is he, he's a solid player for us, man. And not only that, you know, that they did some they had some good play designs to get him the ball out on the edge. Um, yeah, just just a great day for him. He's he's really stepped up and been our true number one. And I mean, once we get some get our, some pieces about around him and about you know back, it should help him out even get get even better stats. Where is he as far as his NFL draft stock? Do you think? Because it looks like a top four round player. Yeah, potentially, man. And all that's going to depend on how he tests and, and all that. Um, it's just hard to tell. I mean, it's it's hard to tell just because he's getting he's getting a lot of uh, got a lot of targets, a lot of stuff. But I mean, I, he's certainly going to have a chance. I don't I don't think anything crazy. I don't think I don't think super high type pick. 
Um, and I only say that because of a DK, a DK Metcalf and some, and Elijah Moore goes in the second round. Yeah. It's hard to say that, Hey, a Drummond's going to be in the, in the top four rounds, you know, so he'll certainly have a shot, but, um, you know, he, he does get a lot of targets and, um, you know, he, 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 he'll have a shot. He's a, he's a solid player. He's, he's really stepped up and ran some good routes. Um, he's really good after the catch. I mean, he's a hard dude to tackle for, um, for defenses. Can I convince you that he's a chase Claypool like projection for the next level? Eh, it may, well, maybe I, I don't think he's quite there yet. Um, but it's, you know, he'll, he'll have a shot. We just have to see how it plays out here. Wide receivers tough, man. They, they, they look for weird stuff. Um, you know, they go off a lot of potential, um, and a lot of upside. And it's just a matter of, of how they view that position or, or how they, how they see him once he tests and, and how they see it, you know, how he moves and how he gets out of his breaks and stuff like that. It's, it's a hard position to, to evaluate. All right. Your last helmet sticker goes to who? All right, my last helmet sticker I'm going to give to Mark Robinson, man. I mean, he has really been he he's essentially taken taken a job. Yeah, I mean he's he's a he's a sure starter. He's a big part of that defense. How about 26 tackles in two games? That's that's playing some ball right there. Um, you know, he he him, Chance Campbell, Springer, Tashim Johnson. I mean, Sam Williams. We we low key have a have some solid pieces over there on defense. Otis Reese, um, you know, we, our, our defense has some guys and, um, if, if a lot of those are guys that came in transfer, but you know, Mark Robinson, his story's great, you know, transfer from, from a small school. Um, I mean, 26 tackles in two games, got to give him a helmet sticker. He's all over the place. And not, not only does he, does he make the tackles, he absolutely just strikes dudes out there. Does it matter as far as the college football playoff? If Ole Miss does go 11 and one, does it matter? that it doesn't play in the SEC championship game. Would its best path be Alabama and Georgia face off, Georgia beats Alabama, and then Ole Miss is that team to get in as number four? Um, yeah, that, that's that's the only way we could do it, and it would have to – it would have come down to some others losing probably. Um, I just – I mean, some of these teams that are ranked in front of us, it's just mind-blowing. Like in Oklahoma, I, I think we would, we would do to them what we did to LSU yesterday if they came up to Oxford. Um, Cincinnati, some way, some of these teams in front of us, it's just a matter of where everybody else stacks up. Um, if Alabama's 11 and one at the end of the year and, and, and they were in our situation, didn't play, they're 100% getting in. It's Alabama with us being Ole Miss. That's, that's where I think it could get, um, get a little bit, a little bit sketchy. So yeah, if we're 11 and one at the end of the year, um, we're definitely gonna be there in consideration, but it's going to matter. It's going to come down to who else lost and, and kind of what else happened there. Um, but yeah, it's, we'll certainly have a shot. Golly, I think Ole Miss would beg for a bye week right now. But if Ole Miss does lose Ben Brown, we don't know, does lose Ben Brown for an extended period, if not the year. If it does have to play without Braylon Sanders again. If Jonathan Mingo does take more time. If Caleb Warren, even though they rushed him back or didn't rush him back, but he was ready to play, you could just tell he was hobbled. If Matt Crow's going to have to play on a hobbled ankle all year, does that change your perspective at all about the rest of the year? Yeah, no, I'm I'm not concerned because that's football, man. I mean, LSU had guys out yesterday. That, that that's the that's the nature of the beast. That's that's how football operates. You know, it's a it's a battle of attrition. You know, guys getting guys getting banged up all throughout the year. Um, it, it's just it's listen. I, I trust these coaches, and yesterday was very very evident of 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 how we can find ways to win. And um, this is this is where this is why. This is when you pay that money. This is where you get your get your return on your investment, and that's the coaches. And they they did a great job preparing these guys, and and they're going to have to do that going forward in the year. I mean, at the end of the day, we still have Snoop Connor, you know, Jerron Ely. We still have enough guys out there to score points. We have our defense isn't isn't very banged up. I mean, so we got enough guys out there to to get it done. Now it's going to help when we get the get Brad. I, I expect maybe Brandon Sanders to be back this week. Maybe yeah, that's why they re, that's why they rested him. So that'll be huge. Um, you know, yeah, it's just it's the way it goes, man. I'm I'm not concerned. I, I, I trust these coaches. And, and at the end of the day, man, when you're a team, um, and you're and you're in there, and you know where you stand. I mean, we're six and one right now. That that their asses should be on high alert. They should they should be ready to go. Everybody should be locked in, um, wanting to do. I mean, the, the attitude should be there. The draft should be there, and they will. It's it's a different feel this year. I, I think that um, I think we're gonna have a shot here, man. And you did it in front of the biggest collection of visitors, recruiting visitors, since 2016. A sideline packed like I hadn't seen it since 2016. Arch Manning was there signing autographs, but it was more than just Arch Manning. You had a number of high-value targets that were in attendance for Ole Miss, LSU. And we're going to have full reaction, hopefully, 
Got a lot of text and DMs sent out, hopefully, on the Ole Spirit, OMSpirit.com, and affiliate of On3.com. That whole day was just a special, special day. And Eli getting honored the way he did to see his number retired by Chucky Mullins and his father, the number 10 up there with a 38 and 18. But one thing I wanted to touch on before we jump into our final thing here, and that's around the circle, because no questions today for a mailbag. We did a mailbag on Thursday. We'll do another one after the game next week against Auburn for the post-game show, morning after show next week. But one thing that doesn't get enough credit here is the number of former players that showed up and how important it is. You, you and I have been talking about this forever, just reincorporating former players extending an olive branch, bringing them back. Lane Kiffin has made that a priority, and Saturday was special in that way as well. And you were there for all of that. So what was that like just to experience that? What was that um, entire vibe with all those former players getting together? Yeah, man, it was it was really cool. I know I know they're really – so I, I talked to these guys about this, Keith Carter and some of the guys running this a long time. You know, we, we need to get players back together. It's important. Um, we have never done it um, before – and they, they, so they sent out, they did an event, um, you know, it was Friday night and they were really nervous. They didn't know who was going to show up and, and, you know, who was all going to be there. They sent out the invites to kind of that younger tier player and man, great reaction. There was tons of guys there. Um, it, it was so funny for me being in that room. So you go in there, you see guys like Mike X, SB, Chris Collins, Bill Flowers, and just in the huddle talking. And in my head, I'm like, man, I'm a huge huge fan of those guys growing up but i have to remember hey i played in the nfl as well so i can't be like super like hey man can i get a picture with you guys so it was cool man it really was um, a lot of guys got to connect i thought it was wild some of these guys had never met before i mean i'm talking to romero miller and he's saying hey i've never met patrick willis i was excited to meet so and so i mean that's that's crazy man that's uh, to me that that's you know that's something we got to do going forward it, it gets the energy on the team a lot of these guys can help out too especially in recruiting stuff like that you know, being around those kind of guys, the P Willie's being there. I mean, a recruit gets to talk to him. That's a big deal, you know? So, um, it is all, all around great weekend. I think that's, that's going to be the, the, um, the effort going forward is to get these guys back together, get all these rebel legends back together and, um, and getting them excited about the program. And it, it really turned out to be awesome. Um, I'm telling you for, for me being in that room, just being around some of these players that, um, you know, did so many cool, I mean, getting to talk to Romero. I mean, heck, I, I know Romero only played one year in the NFL, but, then the day, man, I could tell you every play he did, um, you know, because that, that's what I did as a kid. That's you know, I, I watched Ole Miss football, and um, it was just cool getting to meet those guys. And I was huge fans of those guys growing up. You know, Bill Flowers, some some of the stuff he did. Um, I mean, it's, it's just really cool seeing a lot of those guys. Let's go around the circle. Around the circle. That's the trouble around here. Talk, talk, talk. Looking at scores around the SEC, Arkansas whipped Arkansas Pine Bluff 45-3. Ole Miss beat LSU 31-17. Mississippi State beat up on Vanderbilt 45-6. Tennessee hung in for a little bit, but Alabama did what Alabama does. 52-24 does Alabama beat Tennessee. South Carolina gets whipped by Texas A&M 44-14. What did we learn in the SEC this week? Um, I think Ole Miss is the is the number three team. I think we learned that about Ole Miss. I think that um, yes, this week wasn't really crazy with, um, with games and positioning, but um, I think I think Ole Miss is, is this year number three three team and um, you have a lot to play for. Alabama is Alabama. Georgia is going to be Georgia. Um, but the, the cool part about it is, is they get to play each other in the SEC championship. And um, you know we're, we're hoping that we're hoping that Georgia takes care of them and, and gives us a shot. So you know we, we got a shot. And um, I think if you if you look around it, man, we're we're right there. It's going to be it's going to be a battle this week versus Auburn. Cincinnati twenty seven to twenty over Navy. Cincinnati's number two in the country. Penn State loses to Illinois 20 to 18 in nine overtimes. Michigan 33 to 7 over Northwestern. Oklahoma 35 to 23 over Kansas losing for most of that game. Wake Forest 70 to 56 against Army. Oh man, Pittsburgh beats Clemson. Clemson loses again 27 to 17. Oregon 34 to 31 over UCLA. Iowa State beats Oklahoma State number 8 Oklahoma State 24 to 21. Alabama 52 to 24. I'm looking over all the scores here. 54 to 7 does Ohio State whip up on Indiana. Miami beats number 18 NC State 31 to 30. Notre Dame 31 to 16 over USC. Where does Ole Miss move up? Now the, the AP poll, all the polls are coming out on Sunday. Where should they be? Um, I think they should be right there around that eight to ten range right now. I mean, and that that's I think we can be a lot of those teams that, that are that are ranked in front of us. Don't get me wrong, but um, you know, just I, I think 
I just think right there in the eight to 10 range right now is, is a solid spot for us. And as we win, move up a little bit each time. And as people fall, move up each time as well. So, I mean, it's a, I mean, I, I just think if we're fully healthy, only teams that, that I can go into and say, Hey man, it'd be tough for us to beat would be Alabama and Georgia. The rest of the rest of the country, I, 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 I would take Ole Miss. I really would. And I know it's crazy to say, but if we're fully healthy, man, I just don't see, I don't see us losing to, to Cincinnati. I don't see us losing to Oklahoma, um, Oregon. I mean, smash them. Like, come on. They, they, there's, look at some of these scores, man. These teams aren't, um, they aren't as, as good as we are on, on offense. And um, I just, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to be a super fanboy and, and sound like that, but I've been saying it since last year and everybody thought it was crazy. Um, you know, aside from Alabama and, and Georgia at this moment, I, I, I would feel comfortable about Ole Miss going into any 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 one of those stadiums or, or play any one of those teams and, and have a damn good chance of beating them and not only beating them, but beating their ass. Ole Miss is 10-2 in its last 12 games. This is not a fluke. This is not a fluke. And Matt Corral should be the Heisman front run right now. I really don't think anybody else has much of a case against him. If you put Bryce Young on Ole Miss, it's not the same. If you put C.J. Stroud on Ole Miss, it's not the same. Matt Crowell is everything for this program, and he's producing, and he's coming up with creative ways every single week to prove that he should win the Heisman. Against Tennessee, he rushed the ball 30 times. No Ole Miss player has rushed the ball 30 times in a game since Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis in 2007. He's a running back. And then against LSU, without his offensive line, without his top two wide receivers on a bum ankle, he carries Ole Miss to a butt-whooping over LSU. He still produces. And early on, he wasn't good. He was missing some passes. You could tell that the ankle was bothering him. He tried to plant and throw, and he was overthrowing Dontario Drummond. He was missing some throws he typically makes, but he settled in. He settled in and does what he does, and he led them to a win. He didn't even care after the game about his stats, and it just shows you that his whole perspective isn't on necessarily the Heisman, but winning games. Now, he did acknowledge after the game that it's hard to ignore all the Heisman talk. He's human. Of course he hears the Heisman talk, but the way he counteracts that, the way he goes against that is that he puts in the work. He focuses on how he can get better on his rehab, attacking rehab, getting his ankle right, all the little things he can control. He can't control the Heisman talk. We can, though, and it's easy for me to say right now, bottom line, he deserves to win the Heisman seven games in for Ole Miss, period. You can't argue anybody else with me right now, and that's going to sound like a home review. Oh, Ben Garrett, the Ole Miss spirit, says that Matt Crow should win the Heisman. But make a case for somebody else that means more to their program than Matt Crow. I feel like I'm repeating myself. It's like history repeating itself here with Eli Manning back when he should have won the Heisman and Jason White won it for Oklahoma. It will feel the same way for me if Bryce Young wins it over Matt Crow. If you take Matt Crow off of Ole Miss, like if you took Eli Manning off of 2003 Ole Miss, that's a 3-4 win team. It's completely different. So if you're an Ole Miss fan, way to go. You packed out Vaught-Hemingway Stadium on Saturday. I think I looked at it, 64,523 fans. The sixth largest crowd ever at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. That's awesome. The atmosphere was great. It needs to be that way for the rest of the year. You need to enjoy the precious few opportunities you get to watch number two play. I was asked before the game, oh, I'm nervous, Ben. Do you think Ole Miss can beat LSU? Number two's playing. He was always going to play. Lane Kiffin was playing that up, exactly what we said, some gamesmanship, casting some doubt on whether or not Matt Crow plays against LSU. He was always going to play. He was always going to play. And he went out there and despite being banged up, still put up numbers and also led his team to win, which is the most important thing. So if there's one thing I want to make sure is crystal clear after this, I'm tired of even hearing the debate. I was watching Talking Heads all day on Saturday saying, well, um, so-and-so, like a C.J. Stroud or whoever, so-and-so, they haven't had one of those step-back games like everybody else. Matt Corral has not had a step-back game. Even when Ole Miss got whipped against Alabama, Matt Corral was good. He was the only thing that was good about Ole Miss that day, but Matt Corral was good. So that narrative that there was ever a bad game for him, there was no Lamar Jackson against Houston in his Heisman Trophy winning campaign or Johnny Manziel throwing inter three interceptions against LSU in his Heisman Trophy winning campaign. There's been nothing like that for Matt Corral. There is no case to be made for anybody else being the front runner but Matt Corral, and he came up with another way to show you and put the whole field on notice on Saturday against LSU. I've got a bum ankle, a bum ankle, with very few starting offensive linemen that I, that I had to start the year with without my top two wide receivers, and I'm still going out there and doing the damn thing. The guy deserves to be the front runner, and it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to say it out loud. 
he should be the front runner. You nailed it, man. Everything said is, is I mean, there's no, nothing else to be added to that. I mean, it's, it is what it is. He is Ole Miss's team. And you take him off of it, and we're just – it, it it would be tough sledding. We wouldn't be where we are right now. No. Um, and to me, that's what a Heisman Trophy winner is. I mean, that that's what makes you a Heisman Trophy winner. If Matt Crowell's on Alabama, I mean, it, it would be even crazier. And, you know, if you put if you switch, you put Bryce Young on Alabama or on Ole Miss, it ain't the same. You're right. And um, yeah, he deserves it, man. I mean, he's he's playing his tail off. Uh, when he's out there, we always feel like we have a chance to win. And, and I've been on those teams before with the Russell Wilsons. And then Carson Palmer, some of the really good players, man, as long as they have the ball in their hand, it don't really matter who's around them a lot of the time. So, I um, mean, we proved that this year. I mean, we're banged up, um, you know, and are, are really haven't, haven't missed much of a beat. We're still putting up over you know, 30 points in the last last two games, 31 points, I think, on the dot in the last two games. And, um, you know, we're, we're still producing. And, and that, to me, is, is um, all because of Matt Crowell. Quick hitters here, Brad. I'm going to go through the rest of the schedule. Just give you your quick thoughts on each one of these games. Ole Miss, Auburn, in Auburn, 6 p.m., August 30th. Biggest test of the year. Biggest test of the year. And it, it, it's, it's not that if Auburn was coming up to Oxford next week, I, I think we beat them. I think we beat them handily. Um, you know, Auburn's, Auburn's definitely a team that, that can beat you, but they've had their struggles as well. It's going to be the environment down there. It's, it's, going, it's going to make the difference in the game. It's going to make it tighter than it should be. Um, I think that um, it's the biggest game of the year. I think if Ole Miss goes in there and they, and they harp on it all week and they say, "Listen, guys, we got it. You know, we're stepping into an environment. They got to play it up. They got to make these guys visualize what they're stepping into and be ready to go for that environment, and um, you know, kind of get their mindset set right early in the week. They can go in there and attack it. I think we can beat them, but we're going to have to. We're going to have to have poise in the noise, and it's going to be wild. It's going to be going to be lit down there. Go down there. Let's come out swinging. Let's let's get after these guys. Um, let's not get on there and lay an egg. And that, that's that. this game to me, man, if we win this game, I, I will comfortably say Ole Miss is going 11-1. and one. Ole Miss Liberty. Crush them. I've been saying, listen to you. Go back and look at every pot of set. We are going yeah. to beat the living shit out of Liberty. It's going to be – we'll put up 50-plus points, and we're going to absolutely trash them. I'm telling you right now, we'll beat them by 30-plus points. Should I have Hugh Freeze on this podcast that week? I'm debating. Bring it on. I'll tell, I'll tell Hugh, to, Hugh to his face. Bring you bring your lunch. You're about to get your ass whooped and your check, and you're going home. Oh, Miss Texas A&M. It's gonna be a good game. It's gonna be a very good game. But I like us at home. I think that um, you know that they do they do have a pretty solid running game. But I think that environment's gonna be really good for us. Um, I just don't think they're gonna be to score with us. And hopefully by then we'll be a little more healthy at wide receiver. Um, I, I just don't think they're gonna be to score with us. I think I think we're gonna I think we'll beat them pretty handily as well. Ole Miss Vanderbilt. A hundred to nothing. Next. <laughs> Mississippi State Ole Miss, the Egg Bowl, November 25th. They're going to be fired up. That's going to be another environment we're going to step into. Um, you know, Mike Leach is, is notorious for for coming out and winning, um, you know, winning games that he shouldn't. But I think by that point, man, we're going to be really playing for something. And our talent, we're just much more talented than them. Um, I, I think we get them. I really do. I, I, if they were coming to Oxford, like I said, I think we beat them really bad. It's gonna be a it's gonna be an averagely tight game down there, but I think I think we'll get them. I think we'll beat them by a touchdown or two. This is Talk of Champions, the Blue Delta Jeans Morning After Show. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight year NFL vet. If you haven't already, subscribe, review Talk of Champions in iTunes, and when you do, leave a five star review. It doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. This podcast can be found wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. And I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OmSpirit.com, and affiliate of On3.com. The Braves are in the World Series. Oh, my God. The Braves are in the World Series, and I'm so going. I don't care what the ticket cost is. I'm going to be there for Game 3 in Atlanta. So if you're going, hit me up at Spirit Bid. The Braves are in the World Series for the first time in 22 years. I'm a little excited. I'm a little pumped up. A little fired up this Sunday morning. Thank you, buddy. I'll see you next week. See you, Ben. Howdy, toddy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.